Good morning, and I am so glad that you are here with us today. This morning, we're continuing our sermon series entitled Christmas Stories, and I think all of us love a good story. One of the most popular ones this time of the year is The Grinch Who Stole Christmas. Let me read about a third of that to you this morning. Every who down in Whoville liked Christmas a lot, but the Grinch who lived just north of Whoville did not. The Grinch hated Christmas the whole Christmas season. Now, please don't ask why. No one quite knew the reason. It could be that his head wasn't screwed on quite right. It could be, perhaps, that his shoes were too tight. But I think the most likely reason of all may have been that his heart was two sizes too small. But whatever the reason, his heart or his shoes, he stood there on Christmas Eve hating the Who's, staring down from his cave with a sour, grinchly frown at the warm lighted windows below in their town. For he knew every who down in Whoville beneath was busy now hanging a mistletoe wreath. And they're hanging their stockings, he snarled with a sneer. Tomorrow's Christmas is practically here. Then he growled with his Grinch fingers nervously drumming, I must find a way to keep Christmas from coming. For tomorrow, he knew, all the who girls and boys would wake up bright and early. They'd rush for their toys, and then, oh, the noise, oh, the noise, 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 noise. That's one thing he hated, the noise, 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 noise. Then we know what happens. The Grinch rushes to Whoville, and he steals all the toys and the presents from the little boys and girls. After returning to Mount Crumpet, he pauses, thinking, that all the Who's would be crying out boo-hoo once they awoke on Christmas morning. Well, he stared down at Whoville. The Grinch popped his eyes. Then he shook. What he saw was a shocking surprise. Every Who down in Whoville, the tall and the small, was singing without presence at all. He hadn't stopped Christmas from coming. It came somehow or other. It came just the same. And the Grinch, with his Grinch feet ice cold in the snow, stood puzzling and puzzling, how could it be so? It came without ribbons. It came without tags. It came without packages, boxes, or bags. And he puzzled three hours till his puzzler was sore. Then the Grinch thought of something he hadn't before. Maybe Christmas, he thought, doesn't come from a store. Maybe Christmas, perhaps, means a little bit more. And what happened then? Well, in Whoville, they say that the Grinch's small heart grew three sizes that day. And the minute his heart didn't feel quite so tight, he whizzed with his load through the bright morning light, and he brought back the toys and the food for the feast, and he, he himself carved the roast beef. The word on the street is that there's a bunch of Grinches that are trying to get us to cancel Christmas this year. Well, we have news for them. You can't cancel what has already happened, Right? Today we come together to continue celebrating the Christmas story, celebrating the day that Jesus came and dwelt among us. This morning for our second character within our Christmas story, we're going to look at the story of Joseph. Joseph is one of the most obscure characters and yet one of the most significant characters in in the Christmas story. Very little is written about him and not a single word of his is recorded in scripture. Yet he would be tasked with being the earthly father of King Jesus. Sometimes we need to be reminded 
that actions speak louder than words. That can be said of Joseph. We don't know much about him, but what we know by his actions is that he was a man of God who obeyed the word of God. If you have your Bibles, turn with me this morning to Matthew chapter 1. We're going to look at verses 18 through 25 together. I'm going to turn this because I've got like a little spot where this doesn't shake. There we go. That's better. All right. Let's read together. Just like last week when I invited you to envision yourself being part of the story, imagine this morning if you were Joseph and you were tasked what Joseph was tasked with. Beginning in verse 18, now the birth of Jesus Christ took place in this way. When his mother Mary had been betrothed to Joseph before they came together, she, she was found to be with child from the Holy Spirit. And her husband Joseph, being a just man and unwilling to put her to shame, resolved to divorce her quietly. But as he considered these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not fear to take Mary as your wife, for that which is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had spoken by the prophet. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. When Joseph was Woke from his sleep, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded him. He took his wife, but he knew her not until she had given birth to a son, and he called his name Jesus. Let's read, let's pray together. Father God, we come before you this morning again. Father, thanking you for the opportunity to gather together to worship you, thanking you for the opportunity to gather together around your word, Father. We thank you for the story of Christmas. We thank you, Father, for the for the words that are written, Father, within the pages of your word. But more importantly, Father, we thank you that, that these words are not just words, but they are living and active. And we pray this morning that you will reveal to us from your word how you would have us respond to the story of Joseph. Lord, we love you and we thank you. For it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Notice our first point this morning is the miraculous conception. We read again in verse 18, now the birth of Jesus Christ took place in this way. When his mother Mary had been betrothed to Joseph before they came together, she was found to be with child from the Holy Spirit. Matthew begins his gospel, reaching back to verse 1 with a genealogy of Jesus. And he traces this genealogy all the way from, from Abraham to Mary and Joseph. Now we know that Joseph was not the biological father of Jesus, but he was the man that would be entrusted by God with raising the God of the universe, with raising Jesus Christ. He would be responsible for providing for Jesus. He would provide food, shelter, education, physical protection. He would present Jesus in the temple along with Mary. He would be responsible for hiding Jesus from, from King Herod who sought to kill Jesus and all the other uh, males that were two years old and younger. They would flee to Egypt. He would be responsible for protecting Mary from the bullies that sought to shame her as well as to protect um, um, both Mary and Jesus from those that sought to harm them. Joseph had a typical difficult task. Let's look briefly at his background. We know very little about Joseph other than what we are able to piece together in Scripture, but we know that his father was Jacob. 
that he was from the town of Bethlehem, but he would live in Nazareth in Galilee. He is from the royal line of David. He was a carpenter by trade. He was a poor man, and we know this because when, when, when normal people would present their babies in the temple, they would bring a lamb to be sacrificed. But what did Mary and Joseph bring? Two turtle doves. And so we know that they didn't have much money. He was a religious man, a devout keeper of the law. He most likely was a young man, probably in his late teens or, or at, at, at most in his very early 20s when he and Mary are betrothed with one another. What we know about him is that he was engaged to be married to Mary. Now, engagements were much different back in the day than they are today. There was really three parts to any um, in engagement. There would be the engagement. This would be where typically this would be arranged where the father would come together and they would actually kind of hook up the, 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 the bride and the groom. So you'd have that component. There would be the betrothal. And this, um, this would be a period that lasted about a year. Officially, the two would be considered to be married. The only way they could be separated would be by divorce, but they would not yet live together during the betrothal. Then after a year, there would be the official marriage. We, we kind of do things a little bit different today, don't we? Well, when we are introduced to Mary and Joseph, they were somewhere in the betrothal period. During this period, the angel Gabriel would appear to Mary and tell her that she was pregnant with a child, and it would be the result of the Holy Spirit. And we read in verses 18, the latter part, before they came together, she was found to be with child from the Holy Spirit. You know, we looked at Mary in detail last week. This young teenage girl finds out that she is going to deliver the Savior of the world into the world, and she would stay a virgin. Her pregnancy would be from God. It would be supernatural. So many emotions must have been running through Mary at the moment that she finds out that she is pregnant. Fear first, wonder, excitement maybe would have been present. She was a blessed woman with a story to tell, but knew that no one would believe her not even the man that she was engaged to be married to. Next, we see a broken dream. In verse 19, we read, And her husband Joseph, being a just man and unwilling to put her to shame, resolved to divorce her quietly. You know, we don't know anything about Mary and Joseph before we are introduced to them in Scripture. We don't know if they were childhood friends if both of them grew up in close proximity of each other, and, and we don't know if they had a heart's affection for, toward one another before they were officially engaged to each other. Do you remember being um, a, 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 a child and, and playing out on the schoolyard playground, and, and you looked across that schoolyard, and you, see it, you saw that boy or that girl, and they made your heart go pitter-patter? You remember those days, the good old days? You know, some of you are still waiting for your heart to go pitter-patter, maybe. But um, I, we don't know if Mary and Joseph had one of those moments before they are officially um, brought together in, uh, in an engaged period. 
We do not know if they spent hours together dreaming of the day when they would officially be able to declare to the world that they were husband and wife. What we know about these two is that they were both God-fearing young people. And in verse 9, we are told that Joseph was a just man, meaning that Joseph was indeed a man of God. So notice Joseph's desire. Joseph desired what all of us desire, the happily ever after. Am I right? You know, I've had the opportunity to be married to my wife for almost 24 years. We have two amazing kids, an amazing family, um, an amazing church. We are living a very blessed life. We have what most people want and certainly what Mo, um, Mary and Joseph longed for. For Joseph, that dream was crushed in an instant. The woman of his dreams is pregnant, and it's not his child. Can you imagine the emotions that Joseph must have, um, must have experienced when he found that out. Mary most likely went to Joseph after the angel Gabriel appealed to her, appeared to her and, and told him everything that Gabriel had said. I don't know if she went to him with a huge smile on her face and declared every word that the angel spoke. She, she may have gone to him very much scared. We don't know. But I bet if you and I were in Joseph's shoes, we probably would have a hard time believing Mary as well. You think that? Do you think you would be able to believe the story of Mary if she came and just unloaded on you everything that the angel Gabriel had shared with her? I mean, it would have been the most unbelievable story ever told. Hard not to not believe that story, right? What we know is that Joseph did not believe her story. He clearly thought that she had been unfaithful. That is why he was determined to divorce her. So notice Joseph's dilemma. Joseph was a man of God who knew the law of God and obeyed the command of God. Being that Mary was betrothed to him, he had every right to divorce her. He could have publicly shamed her and made a spectacle out of her. He could have told or taken Mary out to the, the elders at the, the city gates where he could have had her stoned to death. That's what the law said could happen. But that's not what Joseph did. He simply resolved to divorce her quietly. This showed his great love for her, and it would show that he was indeed a great man of integrity. As he is trying to determine how to divorce her quietly so that he did not shame the woman of his dreams, he himself has a dream. And in that dream, there is an angelic encounter. The angel of the Lord appears to Joseph and confirms to him Mary's story. I'm sure that Joseph wanted desperately to believe her desperately wanted to believe what Mary was telling him was true. You and I know this, but Mary was probably the most virtuous woman, the, the most godly woman probably ever to walk the face of the earth. And so he desperately wanted to believe her. Joseph would have known that she was virtuous and would have known that she was a woman of God. That's what made her story so much more difficult for him to wrap his mind around. 
Even though she was a woman of God, Joseph just couldn't believe such an unbelievable story. So the angel of the Lord appears to Joseph and makes some supernatural declarations to him. He first gives him divine assurance. In verse 20 we read, But as he considered these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not fear to take Mary as your wife, for that which is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. Joseph was probably doing what many of us do at night. Have you ever had one of those sleepless nights when you just lay there in bed and your mind will not shut off? I had one of those um, this week, and man, I just every hour I was looking at the clock, just hoping and praying that I was going to be able to fall asleep. Joseph's probably having one of those moments um, his, his, uh, of his own, and he's probably just dr- thinking about Mary and contemplating all the different scenarios that, that could potentially play out. Well, finally, in, in the midst of his weariness, he succumbs to sleep. And as he falls to sleep, an angel of the Lord appears to him in his dream. And the angel appears to him and confirms that Mary indeed is with child. But her pregnancy was not the result of unfaithfulness, but was the result of divine blessedness. That must have been the greatest dream of Joseph's life. He gets the assurance that he needs. Mary has not been unfaithful. She has been blessed above all other women in human history. What a great dream that would have been. And the angel was not done with Joseph. He didn't just tell him, hey, this, um, your Mary is not has not been unfaithful. He doesn't stop there. It goes on and gives other detailed explanations. In verse 21 we read, she will bear a son and you shall call his name Jesus for he will save his people from their sins. The angel continues by telling of Jesus's mission. The angel does not tell Joseph a lot, but he tells him enough. He was instructed to name the baby Jesus. He is assured that Jesus would be the long-awaited Savior of the world who would save the people from their sins, who would save you and I from our sins. What a blessing that would have been, and what an enormous responsibility Joseph would be tasked with. He would be the earthly father of the creator of the world. And as I said last week about Mary, no pressure, right? Can you imagine if you were told that 2,000 years ago? Know this, the children that you and I have been blessed with by God, they can change the world. And you and I have been privileged enough and tasked with the enormous responsibility of raising them to be God-fearing young people. Some of you in this room are, are well beyond children, aren't you? But you got grandchildren. You still have great influence over your grandchildren. They can change the world as well. Matthew, next, Matthew confirms that the birth of Jesus would be fulfilled prophecy. In verses 22 and 23 we read, All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had spoken by the prophet. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. Matthew reaches back into the Old Testament scripture. Matthew wrote his gospel 
to a Jewish audience, okay? So the Jewish audience would want to know the fulfillment of Scripture um, through Jesus. And so Matthew reaches back to Old Testament Scripture, and he makes it abundantly clear that Jesus indeed is the long-awaited Messiah. He reaches back and quotes from Isaiah in Isaiah 7, 14, Therefore the Lord himself will give you a sign. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and, and, and shall call his name Emmanuel. Joseph certainly would have been reminded of those words. And the Jewish readers from whom Matthew wrote would also have been ensured that what had been prophesied hundreds of years before that moment came true the day that Jesus burst into human history. Next we see from Joseph. An obedient response. Joseph does not just listen to the words of the angel. He says, yes, sir, and he does it. Oh, how you and I can learn from this, this young man and woman of God. God spoke, and they didn't say, wait. They didn't say, hey, I'll do it tomorrow. They responded obediently to God. Folks, every time you and I open the word of God, hopefully every time we gather together as a faith family and hear from the word of God. Hopefully all of us will respond just as Joseph and Mary did. Yes, sir. What did the Lord teach you this week that you responded rightly to? What instructions did he give you this week? Where did he call you to go? What did he call you to say? Whom did he bring into your path this week to encourage? Joseph's character and obedience is on full display. We see his unconditional compliance. In verse 24 we read, When Joseph woke from sleep, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded him. He took his wife. Joseph did what probably none of us would have done 2,000 years ago. He took Mary and made her his wife. He took this woman who had been shamed by the community. He took her and married her and made her his bride. God would clearly, God's word clearly makes an important declaration about these two. Joseph was 100% obedient to the Lord's direction and he was steadfastly committed to the God-ordained mission that he had been given. We see his steadfast commitment in verse 25. But he knew her not until she had given birth to a son. We read right here in Scripture that Joseph would not know Mary sexually until after Jesus was born. There would be no doubt and no question about Mary's chastity before the arrival of Jesus. Notice finally, Joseph's Amazing privilege. The father had the privilege of officially naming the newborn child. Back in the day, names really meant something. For you and I, we probably, um, I know for my family, um, we got the baby name books, you know, like the 5,000 names. We got multiple of those. And we flipped through those trying to find the best names. And we were looking for a name, not with any kind of biblical significance necessarily. We were looking for a name that sounded good. 
okay? Christopher Connor Womack, man, that just rhymed to us. Caitlin Lee Womack, that just rhymed for us. We wanted to make sure that our kids were not named names that they were going to be bullied for out on the playground. I heard of a pastor once named Harry Butts. Okay? Can you imagine if you had that name? Some of you have known people with just outrageous names, and some of you people in this room probably picked on people because of their names. But in the Old Testament, during, during biblical days, names meant something, and Jesus' name certainly carried with it enormous meaning. Jesus' name means to save. His name comes from the Hebrew verb yasha. Names like Hosea, Joshua, Isaiah are all based on this verb. The name Jesus, like the name Joshua, would mean the Lord saves, or shortened would mean that he saves. That is why the significance of the name Jesus is explained in Scripture. For he shall save his people from their sins. Joseph would introduce before the world God in the flesh, and his name would speak of his mission. Jesus means Savior, and Emmanuel means God with us. We need Jesus to save us from our sins, but before Jesus could save us from our sins, what did he have to do? He had to come and dwell amongst us. He had to leave heaven for earth. That is why we celebrate Christmas. We celebrate it because we are grateful to God for providing a way for our sins to be forgiven. We don't serve a God who is distant this morning, do we? We don't serve a God who is unable to relate with us, do we? We serve a God who abides in us and who suffered for us. In Hebrews 2.18 we read, For because he himself has suffered when tempted, he is able to help those who are being tempted. Also in Hebrews chapter 4, we read, Since then we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens. Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold fast our confession. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with us, with our weakness, but one who is in every respect has been tempted as we are, yet without sin. Let us then with confidence draw near to the throne of grace that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in time of need. Know this, in every way that you and I are tempted, Jesus too was tempted. We serve a God who is able to relate to us in every possible way. When Jesus came and dwelt among us, he changed everything, didn't he? Not only did he change the course of human history, but he provided a way for our lives to be changed. The two first people that we read in Scripture that was changed by Jesus was Mary and Joseph. I want us to watch a video now and just be reminded of Joseph. Um, several, several years ago, um, there was a group called For Him, and they wrote a song called Such a Strange Way to Save the World. And somebody on YouTube put together a video. And I want us to watch this just real, real, real briefly and just be reminded of the story of Joseph. Maybe it'll work.
You know, just as Joseph was given a mission and a purpose, every one of us in this room also have been given a mission and a purpose, haven't we? You know, as we close this morning, if you don't have a relationship with Jesus, I want to invite you to come to Jesus this morning to get saved. And I want to remind you that Jesus came once and he promised us that he will come again. If he were to return today, would you be ready? Let's stand together. I'm going to lead us in a closing prayer. And if there's a decision you need to make, you come. Pray. Father God, we come before you now, Lord Jesus, just thanking you, Father. Thanking you, Father, for men like Joseph. Father, we don't know a lot about him. Father, we don't read a single word of his spoken in Scripture. But Father, what we do read in narration form about his life tells us that he truly was a man after your own heart. And Lord, may that be said of all of us in this room. May we be men and women that follow after you, that obediently respond to your words just as Joseph and Mary did. Father, move now during this time of invitation. For it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.